Jeremiah, there we go, Jeremiah chapter 2. Glad to see you this morning. I hope that you're ready to go and uh, excited about being here, of course, for these special services that we have. Um, I hope that you will, um, you'll be staying, of course, uh, for this afternoon with the, um, uh, I smelled something glorious down that hall. And uh, so I don't know if that's going to tempt some people. You know, I was just uh, this last week, I flew out to um, California and uh, was at a um, was at a church out there. And uh, when I was at this church out there, um, you know something that they did? I, I encourage you, I, maybe I, I should probably share this at every church I go to, and I hope you'll adopt this. Um, they, they had, um, the church wasn't that much bigger than, like the church body was about this size, but the, um, they invited people to this banquet that they had Sunday night, and we had like 165 people at this banquet or something like that. And it was a, a huge amount of people, and there was all this food, there were tons of sides, was the big thing, you know, tons of sides you're going through. And you know what this, do you know what this church did? Folks, you got to do this, okay? You know what they put midway through all these sides? You know what they put? Another stack of plates. So you could just start over. You know, you got that one full by the time you got halfway full. That's okay, because we've got more plates. You don't have to go back in line. Just keep going. Take plate number two. I thought that was a great idea. Um, but for those of you who don't eat that much, maybe not. But uh, for those of you who are like me, yeah, that was a beautiful thing. Anyway, so, um, so I hope that you are um, excited about, of course, being here. This, you're here this morning. Of course, I hope you'll stay for the afternoon service. And uh, plan on, if you would, please plan to be here. Uh, if you can be here Monday. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, just the Lord may have um, something in these services that will just really encourage you, or just be what you need. You know, the Lord knows what you need, and so he will bring it through, uh, through the different services, but I will say this, um, you, um, you know, the Lord knows what you need, so he is going to do his part to meet your needs, and uh, I'll just say, if you don't show up, you know, that kind of throws off what God wanted to do in your life. By the way, can I just say this? That's kind of what happens on normal Sundays, too. You know, pastor comes, prepares all week, preaches to you, and then, uh, you know, and then uh, you, don't, you only show up once in a while if you feel like it, and then, uh, you know, what happens then, you feel like, why doesn't God meet my needs? Well, he did. You just skipped the service where he was going to do something great in your life, okay? So you be here as often as you can be over these next three nights, and we'll look forward to seeing you. I understand sometimes, uh, you know, things happen. You know, things happen. You got to have, um, uh, you got to have so something happens with work or something, you know, something just you can't avoid. I get it. Um, but you be here as much as you can, and I'll be looking forward to it and um, uh, bring God's word each night. There'll be messages, I think, that will impact you. Uh, we will not be here crazy late. I've been in revival meetings where uh, nine o'clock came and the guy was still going. So if you were here at nine o'clock, we're going to make it, it's going to be your fault, okay, because you were the one talking, and uh, so if you end up here at 9 o'clock still talking with me, um, that, that's, uh, that's totally fine, but, um, but uh, I want you to know we won't uh, keep you uh, ridiculously late, okay, so that you weren't, um, you're able to get home and uh, get, to, you know, you got work the next day, you got kids to get in bed for school or whatever, I uh, just want you to, to know that, so let me point out a couple things that are on the table back there real quick. Um, just grab, if you would, grab our prayer card, okay? Grab our prayer card, and uh, this has a bunch of prayer requests on it, one for actually for each day of the month. And so these are um, some really, uh, so if you'd like to pray, you can pull out a prayer card, see what day of the month it is, and then you can find a, uh, find a prayer request for us. So pray for us if you would, and if you want to hear from us once a month, I send out an email and just tell people about some things that the Lord's done. Um, so neat. I 
love sharing neat stories. Like one that's um, one that I'll be sending out is um, just this last week. There was a um, on Tuesday uh, we were having a special gospel emphasis on Wednesday, and so you're supposed to you know bring your unsafe friends on Wednesday especially. And um, so Tuesday, um, both Pastor and I both said, you know, you do not want to. I think you'll get to Wednesday, and if you don't invite anyone, I think you'll be sorry that you didn't invite someone to the special Wednesday service we were having because it'll be a great gospel service. And as we were both saying that, one lady she pulled out her cell phone while we we're in service and she texted a friend and said hey you need to come tomorrow night to the service and you know god canceled that person's soccer game and so she showed up brought her kids and it was her child that got saved wednesday night so uh, just you know cool stories what the lord does so i like to share that kind of stuff um share those things with you so if you want to put your email address down on the paper that's back there, that is there uh, on the table. And then there are, uh, there are a bunch of, um, these are called Bible songs for kids. What these are is these are simply Bible verses put to music. Um, so these are great things for children um, to, be able to, um, to be able to learn God's word. Uh, you know, as a child, uh, it's really easy to just take stuff in and memorize stuff really fast and you don't even sometimes don't even know it's happening and so this is a great these are great tools for getting god's word into the minds of children seven volumes of the of the verses for kids and then there's also four volumes of the bible stories for kids these are dramatized stories these are excellent gospel tools uh, to get the gospel into children uh, for your grandchildren uh, these are just fantastic for doing that um, so those bible stories are back there as well and then there is, uh, there's some other music. I'll just point out one other one. This is a CD that my wife and I made. It's called Prepare. Uh, the song we sang this morning is on it. And uh, so this is, uh, so if you enjoy, uh, I like listening to my wife sing, so I don't care about you, but I do. So, uh, so but this is, the, this is the best CD you can get out there. It's got my wife on it. And so, um, so those are all back there on the table. And folks, it's on purpose. You'll go back there and you won't see price tags on it, um, but you will see a box. So all that I ask is if you're going to take CDs off the table, put some cash in the box, okay? So there's no actual price tag on it. So I want you to be able to afford it and be able to get you some music into your home. And I will warn you, whatever is on the table now, other than like, of the children's CDs, that's all I have. Okay, so, um, so if you see something you want, but you don't even have cash with you, take it home, bring cash tomorrow, something like that. Okay, um, but uh, just, uh, but yeah, that, that box is back there. Just put some cash in the box. Okay. All right, so uh, we're in Jeremiah chapter 2 is where we're going to go. Um, I'm excited about what we're going to look at. Uh, it's been neat seeing, um, I'm recognizing some faces because three years ago I preached at the Edge and uh, it was their first summer running and so I'm seeing some people I know. Yeah, hi. And uh, so it's, um, uh, yeah, so that's kind of fun. I got to preach there, yeah, first summer that, we were, that they were running and I uh, got to be there and so it's good to see you. Got to be here on a Sunday, November of 2020, was here just for a Sunday. What a year. And, uh, you know, and so uh, I recognized a few faces a little bit, but it was, uh, you know, we all, we all had our faces kind of covered, so it was kind of hard to, you know, oh, I, that forehead, you know? Um, but, uh, but so it's good to see you, and I hope that you'll let God's Word help you this morning, okay? Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse number 13 is where we're going to go, okay? Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse number 13 says this it says for my people have committed two evils they've forsaken me the fountain of living waters and hewed them out cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water all right let's pray lord thank you for um thank you so much for how you bless 
uh, how you've blessed us, and I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, just um, say through me everything that needs to be said and change, change hearts for your honor and glory. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, not only, uh, not only do I get to preach at camps a lot, one of the things I got to do uh, as, a, as a youth was I, I attended camp. As soon as I was old enough, third grade, I was in camp every single summer. I attended camp all the way through, um, all the way through high school. Um, I got to college. I even spent a summer of my college working at a camp. And then, uh, we, uh, then I graduated, and my wife and I got married, and then we moved to Alabama. Then I became a sponsor, taking children and teenagers to camp. And now I get to preach at camps, and so I've done the full circle. And so it's, pretty, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I love camp. And by the way, it is a worthwhile investment of your money to invest in young people going to a Christian camp uh, because you cannot put a price tag on a, t- on a teenager like I had just uh, at the end of last summer saying, you know, I think God's called me to be an evangelist. Try putting a price tag on that. If God's really called him, that is something that, oh my goodness. I remember being that young and saying, I think God has called me to this ministry. So um, it's a great thing to be involved in uh, is camp. Um, when I was in junior high, I was going to this um, camp and, uh, you know, junior high, remember those years? Those, um, Great, uh, you know, intelligence and, and uh, lots of smarts, and uh, we had, you know, had life by the tail, right? Well, um, we were at this, uh, I was at this camp, had this counselor, and I don't remember all of what we did, but I just know he had a cabin full of us junior hires, and I think he was getting, he was getting annoyed at some of the questions that we would ask. And one of the things, uh, we'd ask all these uh, dumb questions. Finally, one day, uh, w- one of the days, one of the, one of the kids in our cabin, it wasn't so much a question, but he kind of made a statement and just said, I'm thirsty. He probably said it something like that, okay? You know, and um, so the way our cabins were set up, we had, you know, all the bunks here, and we had a bathroom attached right to our cabin. So we had our own bathroom right there on our cabin. And our counselor, I guess, you know, kind of fed up with us, he said, he said uh, to him and really to the rest of us guys, he said this, ready? Remember, junior high, boys' cabin, okay? So keep that in mind. He said, we have a toilet, a shower, a sink, and a urinal. How can you be thirsty? Yeah, you're allowed to smile. That's allowed. And uh, so it was kind of um, like, okay, this should have been a duh, you know, just go over to the sink and fill it. You know, don't use the other options, but at least we have a sink, you know, to, that you could get a drink. You don't have to. Uh, listen, folks, these are the kind of things that get talked about in junior high boys' cabins, okay? So it's not, you know, there's, it's uh, all done in... Uh, fun and love, you know? And um, so why, but you know, you, uh, you think about it, oh my goodness, why would you, why would you do such a thing? Why would you want to drink from, really, even the sink? Why would you want to drink from any water source in a guy's bathroom at a camp? You know, that just does not sound like a good idea, especially when you have other options, right? You know, you have, um, there's water fountains, they'll run through, you know, run through the filter, and they come out cold, and, uh, and the, you know, it's a, it's a little bit um, cleaner place, wherever the water fountain is. Um, you could even just go to the, you go to the, the snack shop, and you could buy bottled water, you know, that's been uh, sealed and all that, and so, you know, there's other options out there. The only reason why someone might, um, you know, do, you know, drink from one of those sources in that bathroom would just be, it would, you would have to be desperate. You would have to um, really have no other option and maybe you've been you know maybe you haven't had anything to drink for days and that's the only thing you came upon well then it does you know then that water doesn't look quite so bad 
Folks, um, you, know what's, uh, you know what's sad is that, if, would it, wouldn't it be just kind of weird if you had a choice though? What if someone had a pack of, uh, you know, a, a package of bottled water inside of that cabin and someone said, no, no thank you, I'd rather fill a cup up with the shower water. Why would you do that? Why would someone do that? What would cause a person to become so dissatisfied with good bottled drinking water that they would exchange it for bad water? Can I say this? No one probably would do it. It doesn't make any sense. You know, God uses the analogy of water, good water, bad water, to, to describe his people in the book of Jeremiah chapter 2. And he describes them as in the way that they were doing, he says, you have abandoned me. Good water. For something that just will not satisfy and so jeremiah's message my goodness it reaches out to us today as well to god's people and i wonder if it would be um said of you would it be said of you that in these last days these last few days last few weeks months maybe a couple of years have you become dissatisfied with your relationship with god have things entered in that make you just I don't don't know how else to put it. Dissatisfied with your relationship with God. Maybe you're here this morning and goodness gracious, you don't even know that you have a relationship with God. You you feel like, you know, maybe he's kind of out there in the sky somewhere, but that's the best that you know. You don't even know, uh, you don't even know him. By the way, God wants you to know him. God wants you to know him. Some of you, you don't even really know the Lord, thus you don't know that he could save you from your sins, that he wants to give you eternal life. And maybe that, maybe there's been things that have happened in your life that make you just not want to, really not want to, to fellowship or talk with the Lord. This is what this passage addresses. So look, if you would, at chapter 2 and verse number 1. Chapter 2 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem. So the prophet is commanded by God to go into Jerusalem, which is the capital city of Judah, where God's people dwelt and was commanded to say, Thus saith the Lord. Uh, He says, I remember thee. Do you know that God remembers? You know what he first remembers? is He says he remembers the people's faithfulness. He says, in essence, God says, I remember a time when we had fellowship. I remember a time when our relationship was what it ought to be. You know, God and his people. He says, I remember a time when it was what it was supposed to be. What does he say? Verse number two, he says, I remember the kindness of thy youth. The word kindness there, it's a Hebrew word that we see it in the book of Hosea as the word loving kindness it's a word it's a word that has loyalty behind it it was used over and over in the book of hosea to describe the relationship that the prophet hosea had with his um, had with his wife you know he was commanded the prophet hosea was to go out and marry a woman by the name of uh, gomer and she was known for being a player she was known for being a cheater and yet he marries her and even after he marries her, she continues to, to cheat on him. She continues to, uh, to, to go out and, and, and sin, uh, sin, commit adultery uh, with other men. And even though she was not faithful to him, he stayed faithful to her. When a lot of other men may not have. And you know, it was a perfect picture of God in the sense that, uh, in the sense that uh, we as his people, oftentimes we are not faithful to God, and yet he is always faithful to us. Folks, that's a really good thing that he stays faithful even when we're not. That's a wonderful thing about the character of God. But you know, God says, he says, I remember when you were loyal to me. 
when there was loyal, loving kindness. He says, I remember that, those days. Do you, um, do you remember days when you were loyal to your relationship with God? When God got first and no one else got first place. When he, remember when you were loyal to devotions? Remember when you were loyal to prayer? Remember when you were loyal to, to knowing God above all else? God says he remembers that. He says he also remembers, uh, it says, uh, he says, I remember the kindness of thy youth and the love, verse 2, the love of thine espousals. What is an espousal? Well, you see the word spouse in there. It's the word for a vow. How many of you, uh, how many of you here this morning, you are or were sometime married? How many of you are or were at some time married? Okay, yeah. A lot of you are. Okay, you can put your hands down. You know, uh, if you were, uh, if you uh, are or you were married at some time, that means that you stood at some kind of an altar of some sort and you made vows to another person. Well, what is a vow? A vow I remember um, I was talking with um, some kids in a, church, in a van that we were picking up uh, for church, and they were kind of asking me and Hannah, you know, what's the difference, you know, like, um, uh, you know, like you and Hannah, you know, you're, uh, you know, you live together and one day you're going to have kids. You know, me, uh, you know, my mom, her boyfriend, you know, they live together and they have us kids. What's the difference between us? Because, you know, you're living together, going to have kids. They live together. Gonna... What's the difference? And I said, the difference is, I didn't use the word vow, but I used the word promises. I said, the difference is I have made promises to my wife. I have made commitments because, you know, kids can understand what a promise is. And I said, I've made promises to her that I'm going to be faithful to her, that I'm going to be hers and love her and take care of her until death parts us. And, uh, and that is the word, this word vow. This is the word, uh, the word promise. Hey, do you, remember, do you remember making promises to God? You ever done that? Do you know something? Is that God never forgets the promises you've made to him. <clears throat> Gentlemen, have you ever uh, been in a situation where uh, you, uh, your wife comes to you and says, have you done such and such yet? And you say, well, no, why? <laughs> and she says, you promised you would do this. And you think, oh, you know, <laughs> you're, trying to remember, <laughs> you're trying to remember if you put your shoes on yet. You know, you don't even know. And, um, you, you know, and so you, sometimes we forget promises we made. You know, God doesn't forget his promises. God doesn't forget the promises that you have made to him. Maybe there was a time you promised that you were going to be in his word every day. Maybe there was a promise you made to God that you were going to put away a certain sin. Maybe there's a promise that you were going to curb a certain kind of a habit. Maybe you made a promise, I don't know what. You know something, God doesn't forget those promises. He says, I remember the love of thine spousals. He says, also, I remember when thou wentest after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. And he says in verse number three, Israel was holiness unto the Lord. Now that phrase holy, not only does it mean pure and perfect, but it also means to be separated, or it could also mean to be dedicated to something. And uh, the idea there is, he says there was a time, he says, I, God says, I remember when Israel was holiness to the Lord, it was dedicated solely to God, and life was all about the Lord. You remember a time when life was really, truly just all about God? that he got first place in everything, that being in church was number one priority, that serving God in every opportunity that you had was number one priority, that witnessing was number one priority, being in your Bible, reading it, studying it was number one priority. Remember those times? What happened? 
What happened? And you know, God kind of asked the same question. Verse number four, uh, it says, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord. He says, notice this, he says, What iniquity have your fathers found in me that they are gone far from me? So he says, in essence now, <clears throat> there is uh, in this relationship, God says between me and between my people, he says it used to be close. He used to be faithful. He used to be loyal. He used to be all about our relationship together. But he says now, he says in verse number five, that they have your fathers, that your generation of you, my people, it says you have gone far away from me. And God says, what iniquity have your fathers found in me that you're gone far away from me? So in other words, what he says is this, is that the distance between us has all of a sudden increased and our relationship is all of a sudden at a distance now. And you know what did it? He says it was iniquity. Do you know what will damage relationships, people? Sin. Listen, sin always damages relationships. Usually we think it's circumstances that ruin relationships. You know, we would say, if this hadn't happened, oh my goodness, I'd still have a fine relationship with so-and-so. No, usually, you know, it's really not our circumstances. It's sin that ruins relationships. Sin will ruin relationships between children and parents, between parents and children. Sin will ruin a relationship between a husband and a wife. Sin will ruin a relationship between God and a person. Sin will ruin a relationship between friends. Sin will ruin a relationship between an employer and an employee. Sin will ruin any kind of a relationship. God says, um, there, our relationship has been ruined. It's been You've gone far from me. You've kind of separated from me. You know, sometimes we, uh, you know how um, uh, a couple, you know, they're not divorced yet, but they're not living together. We call them separated. And he says, we've kind of separated. And God says, so since our relationship is ruined, there's got to be sin that's ruined our relationship. And God says, and the sin is not on my part. So he says, what iniquity have you, you haven't found any iniquity in me that you've gone far from me. He says, and you have walked, notice he says, you have not only have separated from me, he says, but then you have walked after vanity and become vain. You know what the word vanity means? It means emptiness, worthlessness. Folks, let's just be real. You ever worked in a secular place with unsaved people? How many of you have ever worked in a secular place with unsaved people? Okay, yeah, a lot of you, me too. You know, this is a real conversation Okay, you ever notice? You ever notice that sometimes you hear, you know, you hear about, you know, so and so, they're, uh, they're, you know, they're, uh, they're not, um, they just separated from their spouse, or maybe they just got divorced, and uh, and you're like, oh my goodness, they did that? Yeah, they're separating now, and then you find out that not only are they separated, but she is now dating this other guy, and and this guy is like worse than the husband. Like, you ever, you ever heard that out in the secular, out in the workplace? I know I have. It's like, you know, why? and the talk becomes, why in the world? I mean, you know, this guy she was married to, he wasn't great anyway, but why in the world would you leave him for him? I don't know if you've ever heard that kind of a conversation, but I sure have. And um, why, would, why would you leave him for him? And, uh, you know, that's the idea. God says, not only did you leave me, which was an insult in and of itself, and you've kind of abandoned me, but God says, now you're chasing after an empty, worthless stuff which adds insult to injury, God says, because you have moved far away from me. Now you're chasing after empty, worthless stuff. Verse 6, he says, Neither said they, where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt? In other words, he says, my people stopped saying, where is the Lord? God wanted his people to be saying, 
Where is the Lord? Now, it's not the idea of people saying, where's God? I can't find, where's God? That's not the idea there. The phrase there, God wanted his people to to keep on saying, where is the Lord? It's the idea of when you are thrust into a situation that worries you, that concerns you, that stresses you, it's that your first response is, where is God? I need you now. It's It's a reply of dependence. It's a reply of, God, I need you. You know what his people have stopped doing? They'd stop crying out for help. In essence, they were saying, Lord, I'm okay. I'm doing, my, I'm doing my own thing right now, and I'm doing okay. So leave me alone, God. I want to live my life the way I'm planning on living it. God says they had stopped saying, where is the Lord? This again, this is God's people who had done this. He says, uh, uh, they neither said they, where is the Lord? That brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through, where no man dwelt. God says, I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof, but when you entered, you defiled my land and my heritage and abomination. He says, not only is this problem with you, but then he says also... He says, the priests, the, these, the spiritual leaders, they said not, where is the Lord? Even the priests weren't looking to God independence, and they that handle the law, the teachers of the Bible, uh, they n- did not know me, he said. The pastors also, this is probably more of a reference, they didn't have churches back then. So the pastors here is probably a reference to the civil authorities. The civil authorities also, the kings, transgressed against me, and the prophets, the one preachers that they did have, they prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. And so God is just really upset and really disturbed by how far his people who used to walk with God had just abandoned their relationship and were chasing after empty vain things. And so God says in verse number nine, wherefore I will yet plead with you saith the Lord with your children's children will I plead and then he says in verse number 10 folks I want you to go on a field trip with me he says I want you to take an observation of a few places you ever you ever gone on a field trip how many of you ever gone on a field trip before yeah yeah very good how many of you went as a child on a field trip will you raise your hand all right yeah how many of you went as an adult any of you do that as an adult okay a lot of you too wow okay wow um yeah so I went uh, I was in Christian school second through sixth grade and we went on some field trips. I uh, liked going to the, the grocery store. That was a lot of fun, getting to run inside the freezers and the refrigerators. That was kind of cool uh, that they had there, the big walk-ins. Um, but the other one, other one I remember, oh my goodness, it was a beautiful time. We did a uh, field trip to Krispy Kreme Donuts. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It was a beautiful place. Beautiful things were happening uh, all over that place. And I uh, loved it. Lo- you know, the love, love being in a field trip. You ever notice, now I want you to think on this. Now, especially most of you said you went as a kid. So we'll just say, did this happen when you were a kid? That way we're assuming that you as an adult did not do this, okay? Did you ever on a field trip when you were a kid, was there not some adult you know, because the moms, they come, they drive you, and some teachers would come along too, and they drive you, you go to these places. Was there not always one adult that, you know, you're all excited, oh boy, donuts or whatever, we're going to a donut place. And there's some teacher that has to kill all the happiness and say, all right, listen, you all, when we get there, you were going to listen, and you are going to learn something. Oh, trust me, you are going to learn something. I want everyone listening, and I want to know what you learn when this thing's over. You know, you ever, wasn't there always like that one adult that was like, oh, okay, okay, I'll, I'll listen, you know? And um, they were like, you, you're, in this trip, you are going to learn something. You are not just going to have fun. You are going to learn, okay? 
Okay, wow. You know, and maybe, maybe there was an adult on your field trips that would do something like that. Do you know what God says? He says, I want you to go on a field trip with me. And he says, and I want you to learn something. He says what? In verse number 10, he says, pass over the Isles of Chittim. Where's that? Well, that's the island of Cyprus. That's in the, um, well, for you, be on this side. It's in the Mediterranean Sea. So he said, you can go out of Israel, go into the Mediterranean Sea, all the way to the island of Cyprus. He says, take a field trip from Cyprus all the way across, verse 10, until you, until you get to Kedar. Well, what's Kedar? Kedar are the easternmost Arabian tribes. So he says you could go from the island of Cyprus, come out of the Mediterranean Sea, go all the way across Israel, cross through Palestine, go into the Middle East, and go all the way to the easternmost tribes of the Middle East. And if you were to take a field trip across all this area, he said, I want you to look for something and think about it. Can you find this? You know, sometimes grocery store, they'd say, see if you can find a sales, you know, a, 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 a clearance sticker. See if you can find a, a sales sticker, something like that. God says, on this field trip, I want you to see if you can find something. What? Verse 11. Here's this thing you, he, God wants you to find on this field trip. Hath a nation changed their gods? You ever think about that? What, what nation changes their gods or what religion changes their gods now i know um i know some religions will add gods on top of the gods that they already have but most don't throw them away you know if you were to go to a nation sometimes they might add some religions on but usually they don't throw away the ones that they had before usually they don't throw out old gods they just maybe add some new ones on and god says look around you all these other nations do you know of any other nation that changed their gods no, no one else does that. He says, and yet my people, verse number 11, he says, but my people have changed, means exchange their glory, that's a reference to God, for that which doth not profit. So God says, be astonished, O ye heavens. He says, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. For, verse 13, this is the verse we read at the beginning. Folks, we just did an extremely long introduction to an extremely short sermon, okay? So here we are, verse 13. So he got all the way to here, and he said, here's what's happened. What, you want to know why? All of a sudden, there's this distance, why my people became dissatisfied with their relationship with God. Verse 13, he says, my people have committed two evils. One, he says, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. God, I like how God describes himself. He describes himself, water, as a fountain of living waters. I remember preaching, I preached several times on Staten Island in New York, and there was a church planter there, and uh, he was a younger guy, and the first time we went there, we went out and played basketball um, with some of the teenagers, and um, you know, when, when we came back, we had walked down to this basketball court, played basketball, we were coming back home, of course, you know, us you know, young guys in our 30s, well, I was in my 20s, you know, a couple of dummies. We didn't bring any water with us. So when we got back to the house, guess what I'm looking for? Water. Do you know what, and I found water. Do you know what he got as soon as he got back, what he began to drink to quench his thirst? Mountain Dew. He's been out playing basketball. All this, any coaches out here horrified, you know, by that? <clears throat> I mean, he's out playing basketball, <coughs> comes back, and he's satisfying his thirst with Mountain Dew. I mean, that is not what I want to satisfy me. You know what I want? When I've exercised, I want water. Why? Because <clears throat> God has designed water to satisfy. 
And you know why God describes himself as the fountain of living waters? It's because God is trying to tell you this, that God alone can satisfy. God alone can satisfy. Jeremiah chapter 17, the prophet said, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all that forsake thee shall be ashamed, and they that depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. In John 4, Jesus said to the woman at the well, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. John 7, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Isaiah 55, the prophet said, Oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat, come by wine and milk, without money and without price. The idea is, God alone can satisfy. He is the only one who can satisfy in our lives. And yet, it says, here's the other evil, verse number 13. He says, they've committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, just never-ending satisfaction that comes from God. Then he says, number two, they have hewed them out cisterns, and not just cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Okay, this makes us ask the question, what is a cistern? A cistern's real simple. It's a, think, think rain barrels, you know, think rain barrels. That was what the cistern was, kind of a hole dug in the ground. They cover it with plaster to give it a hard surface so that as rain would come down, be in a, a place where there's no streams, there's no rivers or anything. And so this, uh, this hole would catch the rainwater and then they could use it because that was really all that, you know, they could have. And so, and so uh, you know, at best, this is what I read, at best, Cisterns yielded stagnant, salty, muddy, and even worm-filled water. That was at best. That was the best water a cistern could give you. At worst, uh, they just cracked and all the water went out and you had nothing. So, you know, if, if you're in a desert area or just a bad area where there's just not a lot of water, if that's all you have, well, that's what you got to work with. But can I tell you something? People who had a stream running right behind their house never dug cisterns. There's no need. People who live by the river, they never dug cisterns. Why? You don't need that nasty water. You got great water right back here. People who lived, uh, people lived by fresh water, no need for cisterns. You know what God says? You don't need cisterns. Why? You have me. That's what God says. You have me. And I can satisfy the longings of your heart. And yet he says, my people have abandoned me and are trying to find satisfaction in something other than God. He says, and that's just God's people. That's just God's people. He says, they're trying to find satisfaction in something other than God. The fo folks, the reality is, is that God alone is the one who can satisfy. He is the one who can bring satisfying peace into your life. You've been short on peace. Some of you have been looking for it somewhere other than God. It's no wonder you haven't found it yet. God alone is the one who can bring satisfying joy 
God alone is the one who can bring satisfying emotional stability. God alone is the one who can help us to overcome discouragement and depression. God alone is the one who can bring us, who can satisfy our marriages and give them help. God alone is the one who can bring satisfying uh, resolvement to our anger issues. He, he can do that because He is that life, and anything we look to to accomplish what God alone can do is a broken cistern. Some of you, you want peace, you want joy, you want, uh, you want marriage problems fixed, you want to deal with depression, you want to deal with anger, and instead of running to God, you run to alcohol. Have you figured out that it doesn't satisfy yet? What's it going to take? I know the other Christians don't know about it. What's it going to take, friend, before you'll give up the cistern? Maybe you've been running. Uh, maybe you've been running to TV. Maybe you've just indulged yourself. I know some people when they get they get uh, when they just feel like their relationship with God is becoming is becoming weak. They just indulge in so much television and movies and such. Some uh, run to other friendships. Some run to pills. Some run to self help books. Some run to immorality and pornography. Folks, these things will not ultimately satisfy. God says, "I alone am the one that can satisfy." Uh, I, I think it was C.S. Lewis who made have said it first he said that every man has been created by God with a God-shaped hole in his heart that only God can fill and yet we even though God is the only puzzle piece that'll fit into our hearts to bring us ultimate satisfaction we try to cram it full of anything but God and then God says no wonder you're not satisfied folks are there th- are there cisterns in your life? Are there um, things that you're holding on to that are keeping you from enjoying your all-satisfying God? Look, so long as we have access to the fountain of living waters, we don't need cisterns. They'll, they'll give out on you. They will crack on the day when you need them most. Folks, you need the Lord. Has, has your relationship with God just kind of drifted apart? Let me close by looking at this. Uh, verse number 20, maybe you've got things, maybe you've got idols built up in your life. Maybe you've got other things you say, you know, I appreciate God, but I kind of live more for this and that. And, and you know, but yeah, my relationship God is like that. It's kind of, kind of distance and I'm kind of chasing after some other things. And may, maybe, that's you, maybe that's you today. Here's what God says. When, if you're here and you say, you know, I'm, I, I, I get it. You know, my relationship with God is not that tight. I'm glad he saved me, but it's not that tight. I'm kind of following after my own things right now. God says this, chapter two and verse number, uh, chapter two and verse number 20. He says, saying to a stock, now what, now what in the world is a stock? A stock there just means like a, a natural resource, okay? So he says, some of you are saying to natural resources, thou art my father. What was happening? What these people were doing, God's people were taking natural resources like wood, stone, stuff like that. And they were crafting them into idols. They'd you know, cut them and shave them and, and craft them into idols. And then they were putting them up and saying, you are my father. How ridiculous. And he says, not only that, but you were saying to a stone, chapter 2, verse 27, they said to a stone, thou hast brought me forth. Um, no, that was an insult to your mom right there. Uh, that, that little piece of wood did nothing to bring you forth, okay? And it says they turned their back unto me and not their face. Oh, but in the time of their trouble, they will say to me, arise, save us. You know, God says, my people are really good about this. They, they serve idols, serve idols, and they, they serve idols, and they chase after their own stuff and ignore me, ignore me, ignore me. Then all of a sudden, when tragedy hits, they say, God, we need you to deliver. 
And God says in verse 28, But um, <clears throat> where are thy gods that thou hast made thee? Let them arise, if they, can save thee, if they can save thee in the time of thy trouble. In other words, God says, um, wh- why do you need my help? Go to your idols. Go, go get your idols. You've been so desperately following the last couple of years. Why don't you go ask your idols to take care of you? I think, and it's just, just the frustration of our Lord that his people would abandon him that far that uh, he says, why don't you just, uh, you know, maybe for some of you, tell, can I just tell you personally one thing? So I'm a, uh, I'm a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I know this is kind of not the region for that, but I don't care. And uh, big, big Steelers fan, and, uh, and they, they stink this year. Um, but you know, one thing, it's my goal, uh, Lord willing, this will never happen. I don't plan to ever be at or be, att- or be watching a, a game when I should be in God's house. I think that's a great thing to follow. You know why? Because when tragedy strikes, maybe you've got a sports team you like. Maybe you skip church services for sports to watch them. You know, you try. When tragedy strikes, well, give the team headquarters a call and see if the coach wants to talk to you about your issues. He, he doesn't have time for you, but you said he was more important than being in God's house. Some of you, it's TV shows. Maybe you skip church for a TV show. You try. Try seeing if you can get, send an email to that actor. See if that actor cares that you're hurting. Your God cares. And yet you, but you've tried to find satisfaction in anything but the Lord. Some of you, it's uh, maybe, maybe you've gotten involved in a hobby, something that's not sinful, it's just a hobby. But it has consumed your life so that there's no time for God, there's no time for witnessing, there's no time for church, there's barely any time for devotions. You're just consumed buy these things, hey, when finances strike, just go, go pray to your boat and see if it cares. Go pray to your truck and see if it cares. Sometimes we spend so much in our stuff, things that aren't sinful, <clears throat> and we try to find satisfaction in them. God says, you, 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 want, you want to have all these idols and all this other stuff in your life? He says, oh yeah, when it, life gets bad, don't come crying to me. Go cry to your idols that you feel are so important right now that you don't need me at all. Folks, before we get to that point, let's get, let's get back to the right kind of relationship with our all-satisfying God. Let's get rid of the cisterns that are blocking the way of enjoying your relationship with God. That's what God wants. God wants you to enjoy your relationship with him. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? That's what God wants. Will you come back to your all-satisfying God? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, thank you for being our all-satisfying God, and thank you for, um, yeah, thank you for, for how you're faithful to us when we are not very faithful to you. Thank you so much for that. I pray, dear Lord, would you just, um, would you move in our hearts, I pray. Change us for your honor and glory. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.